Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that this spring will offer special volunteer vacations designed for visitors to spend a day doing a stewardship project and another heading out on a Tillamook Coast adventure. It's free and a way to have fun and give back, and we'll have more details on this a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department invites Oregonians to explore parks during winter and spring to experience the beauty of those seasons. If you're camping, remember to buy firewood from the park or nearby community to avoid bringing invasive species, such as the devastating emerald ash borer, into parks. Learn more about protecting Oregon's ash trees at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're talking about the final summer for rafting Oregon's wildest whitewater river trip. It's called Hell's Corner Canyon on the Upper Klamath River. And we're going to talk with two river guides about what makes it so special and how it's going to change following the largest dam removal project in United States history. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. today we are talking about a bittersweet subject and that is the last summer of rafting on the hell's corner canyon on the upper klamath river so if you've never been hell's corner is probably oregon's wildest summer whitewater trip and it's tucked down in southern oregon but that section and the klamath river overall is going to change in a major way following the removal of four dams beginning in the autumn of 2023 It's the largest dam removal project in United States history, and naturally, it's going to fundamentally change where it makes sense to raft, to kayak, and fish. But before that happens, this summer offers one last summer to head to Hell's Corner for that last ride on the river in its current form. Today, we're going to talk about this unique section of river, how it'll change following dam removal, and why this moment is bittersweet for river runners in Oregon and across the West Coast. To help me navigate this complex situation, I'm joined by Pete Wallstrom, owner of Momentum River Expeditions in Ashland, and Bart Baldwin, owner of Noah's River Adventures, which is also based in Ashland. Hey guys, thanks for being here today. Hi, Zach. Hi, Zach. How's it going? Going good. All right, so why don't we start off by you guys talking about this specific stretch of river. So if you live up in Portland or Salem, haven't heard of it, what is Hell's Corner Canyon on the upper Klamath? I mean, obviously the Klamath, pretty long river, starts in Oregon, travels down into California, but what's the best way of describing the location and and this river that we're going to talk about? I'll take that one real quick. Uh, It is a unique river. It starts out on the east side of the Cascades in a lake, which is really unique and traverses 
the Cascade Mountain Range into the Klamath Mountain Range and all the way through uh, to the Pacific. This section is the section that that crosses through the Cascade Range. So we actually put in on the east side of the Cascade Range or just barely into the east side and then take out on the west side. And that's where you get the uh, the scenery, the scenery and the, and the rapids. Gotcha. Okay. Well, why don't you, um, so first Bart and then Pete, I'll let you get in here. What makes this, this specific stretch, uh, so fun right now in its current form, it's class four. I've heard people call it the biggest whitewater of the Oregon summer. So can you describe a a little bit, like what does it bring to the table in terms of just a a pure thrill ride in in scenery? So kind of describe this Canyon. Yeah, it's a, it's a unique piece of water in Oregon. It's kind of high desert feel to it. It's got some of the most, you know, bang for your buck on any river in the region. It, it, it starts off as far as our commercial run with five miles of class two with maybe a, a couple threes. So it's, it's a really, you know, decent piece of water to get even first timers in and get used to the boat, the guide, the commands, um, get your water legs kind of thing. And even the most timid people are ready for the bigger rapids by the time they, they get past that five miles. And then it gorges up. I wouldn't say gorge, it's a Canyon. Uh, and that's where the bigger white water starts. So, so then you get this parade of rapids, you know, one right after another, right after another, right after another with decent recovery zones in between eddies and sl- slower water. But there are some spots you can turn around and look up the river and see like a stair step, just, you know, four rapids that you've just gone through. So they're long, they're technical. So you might get that, you know, 30 feet of drop, but it might be over a hundred yards. So it's got, it's got bigger waves. It's got splashy waves, but they're, but they're long and, and somewhat technical at the level that we see in the summer. Mm-hmm. And, and the water's warm, you know, it comes out of that lake. It, it sits there and bakes in the sun all summer. So the water's between, you know, 70, 74 degrees all summer, which is also unique, uh, you know, compared to the Rogue and the Mackenzie and some of the other rivers around it. It's a, it's a unique piece of water and it's hot, you know, in the summer, you're going to get a little bit of a wind through there. Uh, but for the most part, you know, it kind of matches the Valley heat. I would, it's not roadless. As far as the region, there are roads up on the canyon walls, but you don't see anything for the most part in the canyon from the river. So it does feel like a wilderness setting, you know, compared to a lot of other rivers in Oregon. Well, Pete, what jumps out to you uh, about this about this section? And can you kind of describe what Hell's Corner is? Yeah, it's so I mean, it's kind of like, like what Bart said, it's just this crazy combination of big white water big summer whitewater and then the fact that it's approachable for so many people like it's a run that people that have done big whitewater all over the world love but then also it's because you know you have that warm-up because the guides see it at the same water level every single day um you can bring people down that have never been before you know as long as they're in you know reasonable physical shape and that's just really a crazy combination um there's just there really isn't anything like it on the west coast in the summer um there's runs that maybe are approachable but the whitewater is a little smaller and then there's some obviously some really big huge you know like cherry creek class five that's not approachable for most people at all so it's it's a really unique way to introduce people uh to whitewater and then also you know it 
it gets people that have been all over the place. So as far as the name, the Hell's Corner, it's from um, the original person to uh, to run it. Um, and Bart actually knows that story better than I do, but it's a guy named uh, Dean Monroe. The the name is obvious just because, you know, it's a, it, it's running through a volcanic canyon. So the rock is dark and the river is 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 brown because of the lake and um, or brownish. So it has a very kind of like, you know, skies are blue, but the, the river has like a darker feel. So it's got, it's got a sinister, you know, hell's kind of vibe to it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, I guess that that's, yeah, that's how you like, I, I definitely would say that if I was running it without knowing it and never having been able to scout it before, I'd be, when I got to the first rapid, I'd be like, wow, this is a big deal. <laughs> now, obviously we've run it, you know, hundreds of times and it, you know, it's become more friendly. So I don't think the hell's part has the same feel to us, but it makes sense for someone seeing it the first time. Originally in the early eighties, Dean Monroe was the guy that kind of that that uh pioneered this commercially, um, named the Rapids for the most part, kind of stuck with the old West theme. Um, there was actually a gang, the Hell the Hell's Corner gang, that were robbing stagecoaches between Wairika and Klamath Falls, and that's kind of how it how it got its name. Oh, that's great. Okay, Pete, can, uh, you know, if we step back just for a second, can you kind of describe it, like, for somebody who's never been down there, doesn't really know much about it, this stretch of water is actually between two dams, correct? So, you know, it's it's water coming through um, that, that comes through at the same level uh, pretty much every day in the summer, and that allows for those flows. Can you can you just bring me through the logistics of that? Yeah, so it's it's something that you see a lot in other countries, especially third world countries. Um, it's It's a it's called a, it's a runner river power dam. So basically there's a, there's a dam right above where we put on and it holds a very small amount of water. It's not really a water storage thing. It holds about, you know, two days or three days worth of water. And then every day um, we have them now around 1030, they, they start to turn the water on to make electricity. Um, and they have one or two generators that tells us how much water will be in the river. And they keep that water on um, through the course of the day, depending on the how much snowpack there is. And then they turn it back off. And so you're pulsing water down the river. And then the, the dam below that, the below where we end our trip, is also makes electricity, but it's also there to, to smooth out those pulses. Um, and basically the idea, you know, with hydropower is that you are using, you know, a dam to store water, which can make electricity. So in a way you're storing electricity. And then you're creating electricity when people need it the most, which in the summertime, um, especially down in California, is during the heat of the day. Um, and so we we are you know rafting on water that is used to make electricity. Um, and then when they're not making electricity, there's very there's water in the river, um, but it's not enough to raft or kayak. It's very little. That's really interesting. So I mean, you're you're essentially you know that you have access to this stretch of river because they're creating that electricity so there's sort of like a symbiotic relationship there there is when you when you layer you know there's nothing simple about the klamath um and so yes you're correct when you layer in the fact that they take a lot of water out for irrigation above us so you know historically we probably would still have a, a good like at least most of the summer season we'd have enough water um but that's not that will never be the case, you know, obviously now there's a lot of water that's used for farming, which is, you know, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and, you know, and the Klamath is like a lot of rivers in the West, a little over allocated. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yes, with that state, um, the, the hydro election, the hydropower dams are 
what allow us to run that stretch in the summer. Okay. So, well, dam removal begins in the autumn of this year. I mean, Pete, we've been talking about the Klamath dam removal for, for over a decade at this point. You know, it's the culmination of a really long effort to get four dams out of there that have wrought a lot of havoc on salmon runs, on wildlife, on the river's ecosystem. So what happens when those dams are removed? Like this stretch of river, I mean, it still goes there. Um, it's still going to be there, but how's it going to be different? And how is this area going to be different without those dams? Yeah, so um, this the stretch we're talking about first, Hell's Canyon, is pretty unique in a lot of ways. As we've been talking about, one of its other uniquenesses is that it, to, to run it, commercially to raft it and kayak it um it has a pretty narrow window of flows you pretty much need somewhere above 13 12 or 1300 cfs and then when you get over about 3000 cfs uh, maybe a little more 3400 it starts to get a little too big and so you know a lot of rivers have a pretty like the rogue have a really wide range of flows you can do it in um and this one does not and so when they remove the dams, that's not going to affect the amount of water running through the Klamath River system. That's a different kind of, I guess you could call it a different fight, um, but it will smooth it out. And so basically during the summer, you're going to see, you know, around through this stretch, right around a thousand CFS going through there all the time, give or take a hundred or 200 CFS. So you won't, it's not enough to run it the way we've been running it. So that, so that stretch that we're doing, you know, for this last year will be for the most part, gone in the summer. There might be a very narrow window window in the spring where we can run it. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, so you've both called this kind of a, a bittersweet summer. So, um, you know, starting with Bart uh, and then Pete. So take me through the emotions. On one hand of seeing these dams removed, uh, which, you know, should bring a lot of benefits. But on the other, you're losing this, you know, iconic river trip in its current form. Yeah, for me, I, you know, originally... I, mean, I kind of cut my teeth on this river. I, I got to, to the commercial rafting thing late. I grew up on the coast, the Oregon coast. We didn't really have, nobody had whitewater rafts or anything. It was a long drive if you, if you wanted to do something like that. So I came down here to go to college and, and I think the, the Klamath was my very first ever trip paddling for somebody. And uh, I was scared to death because water, I've just always had bad luck around water, ironically. <laughs> Uh, but I, it gave me that, that high, that, um, you know, that the adrenaline rush, the whole nine. So that's kind of what led me to want to be a commercial river guide. It was what led me to come back and take over that, you know, this part of Noah's was that river in my, in my mind, the, the whole point of this is to have a healthy river. If, if I thought that the dam staying in would keep the river healthier, my opinion might be different. I, I want a healthy river, you know, and so more water in the river to me is going to, to equal uh, a healthier river. This is going to, it's kind of like losing a family member, you know, or maybe a distant family member, not an immediate family member, obviously, but it's like uh, it's, or, or, or a close friend or something like that. You know, it's one of those things that I enjoy my time up there. It's a special place it feels like home to me a little bit, you know, every time we're at the put in every time we're at our lunch site, which we've used the same lunch site for 35 years. And it's just, it's just a cool place. It's, it's a, it's like a step back in time. It's exciting. It's all that. So, so um, yeah, it's, it's really bittersweet for me. It's, it's, I, I want to come back in five, 10 years, 20 years and go, man, you know, that I'm glad we were on the right side of this and look at, look at how great it is. And, there's still a lot of unknowns to me 
Okay. What about you, Pete? What makes this bittersweet or, you know, is one, one more so than the other? Yeah. I mean, you know, like Bart, we, we started momentum here. It was like 20 something years ago now because of the upper Klamath. Like we, like this was the reason why we based our company here and it was our first river. You know, the dam removal is for me, it's completely what needs to happen. Um, it's a really, you know, the Klamath is a really delicate ecosystem. Um, so that's a really good thing, but we will be losing a really amazing tool to show people our wild areas. And I think sometimes that can be like, I, I think sometimes we forget about that. Like, you know, when I, you know, was in college, I was, you know, kind of more intense environmentalist. And, uh, you know, I, I went to school for landscape architecture and urban design. So partially so I could do good things for the environment. And that's still what I want to do and what I do with momentum. But but the way I look at it now is that we have to show people these places because otherwise they won't be protected. Like people have to see them um, because, you know, voting is how these things are protected. You know, and I look at places like Europe where, you know, almost everybody believes in global warming. And, you know, I have to believe that part of it is because, you know, a 90 year old can take a tram right to a glacier, you know, and we don't have that as much here. And the Upper Klamath is, and, you know, as we've been talking about, is a really unique way to introduce people to rivers. Um, and we're going to lose that. I, I think the benefit outweighs that. Um, but I do think it's, you know, it, it's bittersweet because of that. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. When we return, we'll talk about what this river might offer for rafting after dam removal, along with how to get on the river this year and, you know, get in that one last run. So stay with us for that. I'm Sarah Melton with the American Forest Resource Council. I love the outdoors and exploring the forests near my hometown. My job is to protect our forests and wildlife. I work to defend forest management projects in the courtroom and to support the workers and agencies who steward our forests and public lands. Good forest management based on the best science keeps our forests healthy, improves wildlife habitat, keeps our air and water clean, and gives us the sustainable timber we need for renewable and climate-friendly wood products. AFRC is proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more about us at amforest.org. message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. Beginning in the spring of 2023, the Tillamook Coast Visitors Association is excited to announce a volunteer vacation program that will bring groups from inside or outside Tillamook County to lend a hand in stewardship programs while also having a good time. One example of an itinerary would be spending one day clearing invasive brush or working on a hiking trail while the next day could include a guided hike or kayak trip, the type of activity that highlights the Tillamook area and shows why doing stewardship projects is so important. All meals and transportation are included for the groups that take part, which will ideally be between 8 and 12 people. The experience is free for those who take part. The program is designed to offer participants the opportunity to give back to our popular area 
while also learning the vital role stewardship plays in preserving our natural places. The program website will launch in March, so stay tuned for that. But if you want more information or to sign up early, contact Dan Hag, and you can reach him at dan at tillamacoast, all one word, dot com. All right, welcome back. Well, Bart, you've been running trips on the Upper Klamath for a long time, as you talked about, and your business has been running them since back into the 80s. So can you talk about that history that you mentioned, you know, how this river was first run and how the, the rafting kind of came to be out there and some of the history in that area? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of history in, involved in, in the little section, but Dean Monroe out of uh, California, Wilderness Adventures, uh, came up, started running commercial trips, did some scouting on it, realized that it was dependable, that it was the same level. Back then they were bucket boats, meaning you had to, uh, you know, bail all the water that came in. <laughs> when he started running commercially, some other people took note. Uh, Noah, who, who started the business that I own, uh, took note, uh, got a permit. I just recently found his handwritten notes, which are so cool. Uh, put-ins, takeouts, look to the left after this rock. Super cool. Like it belongs in a museum. Um, you know, where the where some of the alternative takeouts are, where the camp spots are, mileage. Um, Dean Monroe is a very colorful character. He wrote a song he called The Ballad of Hell's Corner, which is super cool. That also belongs in a museum. I've got that here. Um structured well i'd love to hear him sing it he's no longer with us but you know he he pioneered the run uh it was just a, originally just a another piece of water and then barbara roberts who was the oregon governor they were going to put another dam in called the salt caves project which would have been smack dab in the middle of this run so the the environmentalists, the river guides, the the tribes, the fisheries, like everybody got together and kind of fought this. And she designated it an Oregon Scenic Waterway. So that protected it in the interim. And then everybody applied for it to become a wild and scenic river, which happened uh, adopting the language from, mm -hmm. from the Oregon Scenic Waterway in 1996. It became one of the newest wild and scenic corridors well if you want to get down there and and come down for this this last ride you know and this is such a special river and you guys have laid out all the reasons why it might be attractive and you know you want to you know somebody from salem who's never heard of it you know wants wants to get down there what's the time frame for doing it like what's the what's the main season when you guys start running trips and when when do you usually when are you going to end this year boy for us uh you know we usually start beginning April, mid-April, depending on the weather, when people actually want to go. I think our first scheduled trip right now is the beginning of May. Uh, we could possibly see higher higher uh, volume in the spring, which is just an absolute bonus. And I mean, if any, if, if, any, if the word gets out that that's happening, I would recommend everybody come see that. But yeah, I'd say we, we fire up for the most part. They are guaranteeing us water during this dam removal, our final year from june what is it pete june 10th june is it 7th or 8th through uh september 4th or 5th so those are that's guaranteeing us you know barring any major incidents uh or some, it'd have to be something catastrophic they're guaranteeing us water between that in that window that's your classic summer and then anything before that 
I believe will still get because they have to move water through the system, but they're just not guaranteeing us uh, timing on releases or, or uh, you know, duration of releases. So still runnable, though. We're booking trips all the way up and through and uh, trying to get as many people as we can out there. And, and then uh, up to September 15, and then they're going to start heavy uh, demo. So I think that'll that'll be the last the last hurrah for us. So how does a, a trip like this come together? Cause you mentioned, you know, it's a drive from Ashland. It's a, it's a drive to set up the shuttle. So how do you guys do a trip like this? Is it a purely day trip? Like, you know, get people on the river, bring them home afterwards. I know Pete, you have some unique camps down there. So, so uh, Pete, why don't you start? How do you do this trip? And then, uh, and then Bart, you can kind of talk about how you do it. Yeah, it's up to, I would say, for from a guest perspective, it's kind of, you know, how much time they have and what they want. They can run the trip as a day trip, or they can do it as uh, we offer a three-day trip um, with kind of like, I guess, glamping style uh, and some mountain biking in there as well. But from the guest perspective, is is all you got to do is get to Ashland or Medford, and, and then we, one of the outfitters, will take it from there. And the trip options are, you know, 8.30 in the morning to around 5.30 in the afternoon for a day trip or 8.30 in the morning on day one to like 5.30, 4 o'clock, 5.30 on day three for a multi-day trip. So it's 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 pretty easy. All you got to do is, is uh, make a reservation and, and get here. <laughs> and Pete, Pete, tell me a little bit more about your adventure because you do something pretty cool down there. So so take me through like the, the stuff that you offer um, as part yeah, of the so we have Yeah, so we have a seasonal camp um, in the middle of the canyon um, that's right below the major section of Whitewater. Um, so we set it up in the spring and then it takes out in the fall and it's, it's really remote. You basically can only get to it by raft. Um, and it's, you know, got walk-in tents and covered eating area and, and showers and, and, uh, you know, the, like a little outdoor bar. It's, it's, um, it's, we kind of base it off of, you know, African safari style camps. <laughs> so each night you spend a night there and then we, what happens is we get to run the whitewater stretch twice, the biggest rapids um there's a little options for mountain biking hiking or running and then on the last day you also get to inflatable kayak uh the lower stretch which is a much more mellow stretch so you get to see the whole river and and do some other stuff as well and then also spend some nights uh under the stars comfortably in the canyon yeah well that just sounds like a like a pretty immersive experience uh bart take me through your your day trips you know um that's that sounds like that's your your bread and butter so um you know what kind of people are you typically seeing who you when you're doing these trips um so we've kind of focused on the day trip the sprint side of things uh we've got a, a booth down there in the bottom of the plaza right in the kind of the heart of ashland that we've had forever so people that are coming to see shakespeare or driving through town, wanting to see the park, Lithia Park or something can can see us and check it out. And that that's where we've we've kind of built the business. But even through the pandemic, when Shakespeare was shut down, the van life crowd, the younger crowd was running through. So uh, we're kind of there to say, hey, if you know, if you've got an old pair of tennis shoes, uh, some swim trunks and a T-shirt, you, you could put off a, a day of hiking or, or whatever and come with us. We'll pick you up in the morning. Uh, we'll feed you continental breakfast. We'll feed you an all-you-can-eat deli-style lunch, and we'll have you back in time for dinner and a play if you wanted to to do that later on in the evening. So it's more of just it's just a day trip out of your day. Uh, most people are are reserved ahead of time and knowing what they're going to do and planning things ahead. But they, we do get a certain percentage of people that are just walking by 
see us down there in the plaza, see the video of the river of, of the Klamath or even the rogue and say, Oh, that looks fun. I've always wanted to do that. Can we go tomorrow? And that's, that's what we're there to do. Well, that sounds like a pretty good day in Ashland. So are you guys getting a lot of interest on this trip in the summer? This being such a, a beloved stretch um, and this being kind of the, the last dance? Yeah, for sure. I mean, last season was our busiest season ever overall and, and the upper climate as well. And we are outpacing that uh, by a solid amount. So, yeah, it's it's we're definitely seeing it, which is which is really Im- important because we have to it's a huge transition for us so we have to survive that transition so it's really important to have a have a good final year and we want to pe- we want people to see it so okay well let's let's talk about dam removal a little bit i mean it's been such a long time coming it's hard to believe it's actually here so you know Pete what does dam removal mean for this river just speaking as, you know for folks that love river ecosystems have talked about the return of the salmon runs here um you know what what do we think is the big upside of of dam removal yeah, so so dams, you know, cause havoc on river ecosystems, and with the Klamath, that's even more so. Um, so the Klamath is really unique, as Bart was mentioning, because it comes out of a, a lake. Weird thing about that is that lake is very big and very shallow, so it's naturally warm. So even before dams, you know, on the Klamath, the the, the river was always you know probably warmer than a normal river in the area, um, and and heat, you know, heat is has a huge impact on the ecology of river and also on, you know, how good it is for fish. Then when you put a bunch of reservoirs in there, which is what these dams do, now you're heating up that water even more. Um, and then when you add, you know, like farming fertilizer and, and all this other stuff that's, you know, in rivers now, you put that in those reservoirs with that warm temperatures and you get bad things happening and it's not good for the fish. Um, it's not good for anybody. Um, and so that's the goal with it, with dam removal is you're going to increase the water quality. Um, and then also, uh, it's a lot easier for fish to move upstream. I mean, they can't even move upstream right now uh, up most of the dams. There's no fish ladders. So that should be, you know, a huge, have a huge effect on, on water quality and, uh, on the ecosystem for fish and salmon. Mm -hmm. All right. And this isn't, you know, the end of rafting on the river. Um, the dams being removed is supposed to take up most of 2024, but I understand that you're hoping to be back on the river by 2025. So do you have a good feel for what people will be able to do on the Klamath post dam? Like, will new sections of river open up that weren't there previously? Like, what does the future look like in regards to recreation in this upper Klamath area? Yeah, we've done a lot of research on that. Um, with a bunch of different groups, but so there are going to be new runs. Um, There'll be some great fishing runs, some great, great class one and two runs. And then, you know, for us, you know, the love whitewater, there'll be a new run that is currently what we call a bypass reach. So currently it has no water in it or has very little water in it. And it's between um, two of the, between one of the major dams and another of the major reservoirs. And so that run will be kind of our new bread and butter run starting hopefully in 2025. Um, it'll be different from the current Hell's Corner run. It'll be more technical, um, not quite as big water, um, but the canyon is is really unique. It's, it looks like something, you know, out of Eastern Oregon. It's a like a slot ball, uh, uh, a slot canyon. So it's it's that part's super exciting. It'll also be um, more approachable for, you know, private the private boaters um, because you don't have this giant uh, um, drive around. You can just like get to it from Ashton in about 45 minutes. So. Gotcha. Okay. So you're losing. Oh, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was just saying you guys you guys are losing something for sure, but you're also gaining uh, something potentially for the future is just going to be different. Yeah, it's going to be much different. And but, you know, yeah, it, it should be an amazing stretch of whitewater. Cool. Well, what else should people know about the Upper Klamath? Again, you know, a lot of our listeners, primarily in the Portland area, the Salem area, the Eugene area, some have been down, you know, to the Klamath. A lot of them haven't. So what else should people know uh, about the Upper Klamath, about this upcoming summer and, you know, just just on getting out there? Man, I, Zach, I've been trying to crack this nut for a long time. We used to go to uh, to the Bight of Oregon and try to introduce you know, Southern Oregon to Northern Oregon. And I, I can't tell you how many people think we're down by Redding somewhere. Just, <laughs> you know, uh, once you get to like Eugene out of the Willamette Valley, it's just all mountainous. And it, it is a, it is a formidable little mountain pass in the summer. It's not a big deal, but uh, it's warm down here. It's hot down here. There are so many things to do down here, whether it's Crater Lake, the Redwoods, the Smith river, uh, even, even South of us, um, you know, the, the caves and, and everything else that, you know, I, I, you can get down here from Portland about four and a half, five hours. It's a quick trip. Uh, you, you could do a day trip with us. You could do a multi-day trip with Pete. Um, very easy to schedule. And you could right after the trip, you, even on our day trip, we could get you back in time that you could grab dinner and be home by, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, even on a Sunday night. Yeah, Pete, what 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 advice, I guess, would you give to somebody from Portland then? I mean, would you say call now, um, you know, pick out a day or, or like how much flexibility do you think there's going to be, you know, as we get closer to, you know, through April and then May and stuff like that? Like, is it going to tighten up? Do you think there's going to be, you know, limited spots? Yeah, I, I, I would say call now, um, you know, for multi trips, we still have space, but we're well past half full um, and there's a limit to what the camp can hold. Um and then as Bart says, it's just easier for us to, to, you know, to do better trips and take more people if we know a little bit ahead of time. Um, there's always a, a good chance of, and there's always a chance of last minute bookings, but if you can book ahead. So, and then, you know, like Bart said, when people coming from, you know, from like the Bay area or from Portland, you know, all you really need when you're here for that trip is, you know, a bathing suit and an old pair of shoes, you know, and then you get to do this amazing stretch of whitewater. And then for those who don't know Ashland, it's, got this beautiful walkable downtown amazing food anywhere from you know like burritos to like award-winning chefs i mean it's it's a really cool little town and when you you match it with some of the best summer whitewater in the country it's it's a pretty amazing trip well it sounds like an amazing trip and i appreciate you guys taking some time to talk about it and all the complexity that goes with it um once again i've been talking to pete wallstrom owner of Momentum River Expeditions in Ashlands, and Bart Baldwin, the owner of Noah's River Adventures, which is also in Ashland. Thanks so much for taking the time, guys. Thank you, man. Thanks, Zach. All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast, 
If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamaccoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamaccoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.